0: Hello, everyone. It's Corporal Betts, your wellness officer, and this is the Anne County Police Department's Wellness Program podcast. In this podcast, we bring on members of our department to tackle one or more of our five pillars of wellness. In this episode, I am joined by Detective Ian Priest from the Homeland Security and Intelligence Unit, where I think we're going to cover all five pillars today. Ian, I thank you for coming on. I've been excited to talk with you for many reasons. One, you're in a unit that a lot of people would like to be in. Two, to talk about the incident that occurred last February. And three, because you told me that you had in service this week. So <laughs> I knew you'd be down here. But on a serious note, before we get into the incident from February, I want to know a little more about Ian. So let's start with your career. Can you tell us about your background, your military experience, and a little bit about your police career?
1: Oh, sure. Now yeah, I appreciate you for having me, first off. Um, and, uh, yeah, started um, in the military uh, right out of high school. Um, with the United States Army, um, would eventually uh, transition to the Army National Guard, where I went from enlisted to the officer side of things, uh, became a armor officer in a uh, cavalry squadron with the uh, Pennsylvania Army National Guard, Um, did some deployments with them to include an Iraq deployment, I guess actually after I was a police officer as well as a platoon leader and then ended up uh, getting out a couple years ago. But overall did 12 years um, between, um, you know, the guard time and everything with that. Uh, Started with the police department in 2007 with the 66th recruit class. There's still a couple of us still out there, but, uh, you know, have enjoyed it. Uh, My first uh, duty assignment was at Eastern District as a patrol officer, mainly worked the Pasadena area and would uh, be Charlie One Post. Uh, from there, would go to our Eastern District Tactical Patrol Unit, um, worked with some great folks up there, had a lot of fun. And uh, I still think that's one of the funnest jobs on the department and uh, would eventually trans over, uh, transition excuse me, over to our Homeland Security Intelligence Unit, where I've been for about five years now.
0: Okay, awesome. So, what exactly is the Homeland Security Intelligence Unit? Because I know a lot of people would love to be in it, but I feel like some might not know what it is. And there's a lot of intelligence. It sounds pretty cool. So. See,
1: see, it's top secret, and that's why yeah. we have to have special, you know, badge even to get into our office at least access. Uh-huh. But, but no, it's actually it's actually a really good unit. Um, it, it actually covers majority of our task force assignments that are within there. Um, Mainly on the Homeland Security side, we have our Joint Terrorism Task Force um, detective that is actually working with the task force with the FBI. Um, So Detective Acker covers that and does a phenomenal job. Um, We assist in a lot of those um, investigations. Will there be information, whether it comes from you know, our WFO office out of D.C. or through a tip that's gone through a fusion center to investigate um, anything that could deal with uh, terrorism, to see something, say something, those types of things. Um, we also have uh, other task force to include a fraudulent document, ICE task force that uh, we have other folks uh, working on that with our uh Actual homeland security uh, uh, investigations—that's um, a federal partnership. We also do um, more or less the part that I deal with with the criminal intelligence and violent offender enforcement program. That's quite a handful, right there. Yeah, there's a lot. But of that's going <laughs> that's Detective Holiday and I um, dealing a lot with parole and probation. Um, Department of Juvenile Services and focusing on some of our, what we used to have, career criminals, but folks that are going out there and doing a majority amount of uh, crimes are repeat offenders um, and try to find strategies and assist other units. And this is a great way to say, if you have those types of people, we wanna know those people. Um, We'll monitor daily arrest, intelligence that's coming in from other um, investigating agencies as well, Um, but more or less what we can do to try to solve those problems. Um, working with those and it also gives a holistic part where we can go out and actually do home visits sites visits um, for where these offenders are living working at and actually getting eyes on those persons and and developing that Uh, additionally we have a threat management unit so everything from threats to public officials threats to officers um and general threats to infrastructure those types of things where we actually have civilians that are working with us uh hand in hand to monitor those types of threats and go through those uh we additionally run what's called the maryland criminal intelligence network empson out of our office and uh you know we have other analysts that are doing other things so that's a very quick version to say it without all the CCTV and other things that Mark Craigson does—that basically covers throughout the agency and our entire county—but a lot of the technology portion as well.
0: Ooh, I don't know if I would say that was the quick portion. There's a lot of <laughs> words. My head hurts now. But um, no. I, when I was in CIT, I really enjoyed going out with you guys to visit some of these. Um, we would call them clients that would yep. have mental health issues, and we'd go out and, and see what we can find out. Especially when they're making threats—is it a credible threat? Is it not? So was one thing I really enjoyed about my job
1: back in CIT many moons ago. <laughs> so what about the future career goals for you? Uh, future career goals, hopefully I will continue, um, you know, to, to build on, you know, where I've been at. Um, looking forward to hopefully transition over to full time working with our fugitive apprehension uh, team, our FAT unit. Um, you know, it's something I've done for a long time working with them, kind of decentralized, but uh, to do that at a full time capacity. So yeah, I know a lot of guys would like to be in that unit as well.
0: I've heard them talking about it, but, um, all right, let's, let's jump to it. February last year, (laughs) kind of, unfortunately it happened.
1: And a lot of us would like to hear about the incidents that you and uh, detective Ballard went through. Yeah, we can keep this brief. Obviously there's still pending litigation. Um, but that night, obviously, or excuse me, earlier that day, there was notification, um, of a homicide that occurred in Glen Burnie. Um, Through investigative means, they were able to determine that the victim's vehicle was missing and believed to be operated by the suspect in that case. Um, With that, detectives from our homicide unit um, started putting some pieces together. Um, That tag was run through our uh, license plate reader system actually up at the state with MCAC. Um, we would eventually determine that that vehicle had hit in two areas where LPRs are in our Brooklyn area off of Church uh, Street and Ritchie Highway. So other fugitive apprehension detectives, uh, myself and uh, Detective Holiday, went up there um, to look for that vehicle. Um, I was up there, again, It was a long day, uh, worked regular hours, you know, 7 to 3, 3 to 11. Um, I, we were Doing actual juvenile service uh, DJS home visits, so we finished up uh, around 10 o'clock. Went up there and you know was up there for not very long before um, I would eventually spot that vehicle being operated, um, which. Again, in the grand scheme of things, I didn't think that it would actually be occupied. We figured they'd go up there, use it as a mode of transport or to, you know, possibly do unsaver activity up in that area and then be unoccupied. But the vehicle was in motion. Um, From there, uh, you know, the rest of us, um, you know, got behind the vehicle, formulated a game plan. And then obviously that game plan um, went a little south when the uh, subject had a firearm. So, from there, um, again, it was dark, raining. Uh, we're operating on a TAC channel. Um, and there's other things, you know, I think where we've even seen some in service and some things to come out on different types of things going on with how we operate as a whole, as an agency, and then even as an uh, individual unit. Um, we responded to that. Uh, Detective Ballard would be shot uh, during that. Uh, w- we tried to affect the stop on the vehicle. Um, we would actually go in from Anne Arundel into Baltimore city and then back into Anne Arundel County. So Northern Baltimore city and Eastern, um, Scott would end up going to the rural farms just on the city line and, uh, would have a couple other detectives made sure he was stable. Um, they got medic medical attention to him and then, uh, transported him. And then I continued to file the vehicle through Stony beach, um, through a neighborhood, through multiple yards, um, and then would end up uh, also being shot myself. Um, one shot went through my arm, through the upper arm, right arm, that would um, fracture and pretty much destroy my humerus bone, which is the largest bone, I guess, in the upper body. I didn't know that, but that's what the doctor would eventually tell me later on, um, which was painful. <laughs> and then I had another uh, grazed wound to my side as well. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as that, that was pretty uh, uh, pretty bad as far as what it felt like. As far I, I don't even know how to say it any more blunter than that. Um, it felt like my arm had been cut off at that point in time. So when this happened, I'm obviously trying to be on the radio to let people know what's going on because, due to the conditions, the way that we were going through yards um you know there's a lot of people that were out you know looking but it was very hard to maintain you know multiple people in a pursuit per se um but you know our uh, our guys and girls did a great job in maneuvering to get me uh you know get there um providing safe coverage extracting me from the vehicle because after the collision i was pinned in the vehicle um, applying proper tourniquet, in fact, two tourniquets on there, and then Egress and me out to uh, Fort Smallwood Road. Um, we met up with the AMBO. So the the team of folks just in that first initial part of it did an outstanding job. And I, I guarantee you uh, I wouldn't be here talking to you as an officer for sure, you know, if that hadn't been done so well. so
0: yeah it sounds like a pretty hectic scenario uh it's great that everyone sounds like they worked as a team for sure um they did as trained and that's why training's so important and go through the motions it sounds like they did everything correct and um maybe there's some officers that were on the scene that didn't know that maybe they think about whether or not they did the correct tactics but it sounds like everything yeah i
1: mean officers dispatchers i mean everybody that was involved um you know you can't say enough like how, how awesome it was for that. And even for the follow-up and we can even talk about that, you know, the, the reaction that, you know, I heard about, cause again, I was already being transported up, but you know, this happened right around shift change, um, 11 o'clock at night. So you had folks from evening shift, midnights that are all coming there throughout the county. We had people that weren't even working that I would later learn that came in to help out with this. Awesome. Like that's, yeah. you know, a pretty humbling thing with that. You know, it's, it's one of those times where you look at the people that are here in this profession. It's great. You know, when you had that carjacking where they abducted the, the kids in the car mm-hmm. and there was officers doing the same thing. I read about that and heard about it on commander's reports, you know, people everywhere looking for these kids that were in this vehicle. Um, and even to the capital extent, extent of the capital is that just to see the response. I mean, when we're in trouble, or we know there's something that people need help. You know, our officers stood up and did a great job. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. Again, teamwork, and we care about what we do. We do it correctly, and that's what the public needs to know. And we need to keep ourselves moving forward and stay positive. Um, so you had consciousness after your yes, shot, I did. Correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. So and then
1: yeah, I was still all trying to get on the radio and put out, you know, description what he was wearing and everything like that. And then they took my radio from me in the ambulance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the ambulance. Took you to shock
1: trauma. It did, yep. Okay. yeah.
0: And you had your consciousness the whole time. I mean, what's what's going through your mind at, so, at that time?
1: I mean, for, for me, this was a pretty, you know, uh painful experience, but I remember going through my head, one is Scott okay, because that was the whole time when we're driving through. Um, the shooting just didn't happen at the end. I mean, he was firing at my vehicle. My vehicle would have uh, a lot of holes in it. Um, but you know there was an instance where i think on the radio you hear shots fired shots fired well that was the really the first time he started shooting at me and those rounds were hitting my windshield and then you know that decision that you got to keep going um because you know he had just shot one of us we have to do what we have to do um till the very end um, when obviously i was hit i mean i i felt like i lost my arm uh there's no other pain to describe it um and it was pretty, um, scary in that sense because it was my dominant arm shooting. or my, where my, yeah, exactly my shooting arm with that. So to try to react now pinned in a vehicle, cause obviously I would crash into his car to stop the shooting, um, not being able to reach over and get that firearm is pretty, you know, scary situation with that. Um, so but to lose that limb, you know, it reminded me of some injuries that I'd seen on deployments with some folks, uh, you know, in the in the military, them not being like, what, what's the rest of your life? It's flashing before your eyes. So, you know, there's a lot of that going up there. Like, am I done doing this? And it was it was tough.
0: Yeah, a lot going through mine, especially yep. after a really long day. I'm sure yeah. you're tired at this point. I mean, nope. I, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, people know me.
1: I usually work a lot. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You mentioned
0: that. <laughs> So you get to the hospital. I'm assuming it's chaotic. I'm sure a lot of police are following. I mean, what was, what was it like getting to the hospital you or know, the treatment?
1: The, what, what I can remember, cause I do remember, they weren't able to get an IV or any sort of pain meds in me um, going up there. Not saying the fire department did a great job with that, but um, you know, I was still rather with it and still in a lot of pain, but I do remember seeing some command staff that were there, other officers lined up and it really helped out actually that, um, one of the nurses there at Shock Trauma happened to be a, a co-worker of mine, his wife, who I knew very well. Um, so she immediately kind of brought me to, hey, we're here to help. And I've also had the experience up at Shock Trauma with some other um, injuries, not of my own, but with teammates or, um, you know, other officers as well. And I know the kind of care that they give. So but seeing her definitely was a huge you know, help as far as that as well. Yeah. So
0: small world, but yeah. lots of, lots of good care. I mean, we're pretty fortunate to be near shock trauma. Absolutely. I've, I've, I've talked to um, some Baltimore city homicide detectives and they say that they save lots of lives just from mm-hmm. the city and they yep. have a huge, I mean, we all know that they have a huge homicide rate, but I don't want to talk about that too much. <laughs> How long were you in the hospital? Oh, uh,
1: three days. Yep. Wow. Okay.
0: I thought it was longer for some reason. Yeah. Okay. So- So you're telling me a little bit about your sleeping situation. What was that like?
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, after the surgery and everything, you know, I kind of wake up in my arms kind of elevated with a brace with the sling. So it has to be elevated. I can't roll over basically to immobilize it. So you're not going to do any further damage. Um, by this point they'd already put, you know, large pieces of metal. I have a bionic arm essentially now, um, in there, but, uh, it made it very difficult. I'm, I'd never slept kind of, on my back before, before yeah. this now, uh, I still, you know, sleep in a recliner chair, uh, majority of the time, but, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things you kind of get used to, but it made it definitely uncomfortable, but the pain medication helped out with that far <laughs> fall asleep. That's good. What kind of support did you get coming out
0: of the hospital? So I'm sure that that can be difficult. You're in the hospital. You weren't there that long. I mean, three days is long enough for anybody. But you're coming out what kind of helped you what, what was the support like so that
1: was definitely something um that was a big concern for uh, me being released and then also uh, for not only myself but for the doctors as well because um, it required quite a bit of wound care um, with that a lot of bandages that needed to be redressed and cleaned multiple times a day um, and obviously the amount of medication and things with that but even um, having that set up, uh, luckily, my twin brother, who's also a police officer um, up in uh, Frederick City, Maryland, uh, they live in Gettysburg, but him and his wife uh, actually, you know, were nice enough to say, hey, we'll take you up there. So he uh, picked me up, brought me up there. Um, which was awesome. They even bought a recliner chair that I offered to pay for, but (laughs) she said they needed it anyway. So it actually helped my brother's wife a little bit on that to get that. But um, yeah, just to have that where, you know, in a time of need that they were able to step up, you know, I I know here I probably could have gotten some help, but, you know, it was one of those things where I definitely relied on family in this case to, to, to help me out. Plus to give me a little space from everything else that was going on. It was kind of a needed little, vacation away I guess you could say
0: (laughs) (laughs) no it's great that you have that support and you have a brother that's so close and how in-depth
1: was the wound care so uh yeah this the wound didn't close for about a month and a half so uh at least the entry point so it was a rather big wound and where it was on the bicep we went through um it's one of those things again why you wanted to mobilize every time you would Mm. say curl your arm it would actually be right where the wound is. So it would open up again. So uh, that was, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of night and there would just be discharge, I guess, oozing from it. And uh, so, yeah, went through a lot of, uh, luckily they had these kind of blanket things you can put down that are, you know, sterile and you can throw away afterwards. But yeah, went through a lot of that because it's not the sounds a little, a little gruesome stuff yeah,
0: yeah i'm sure that can be tough on a uh, family member especially if they're not used to that yeah well their kids
1: history. thought it was funny so that was good
0: <laughs> how old are his kids uh five oh, and nine okay yeah. Yeah, that's a good age i'm sure my kids would be freaked out by something like that but you know it's the body healing it's it's pretty resilient yeah. it's awesome so what kind of support did you get from from neighbors um Were they helping out at all? Neighbors were awesome.
1: Um, During this time, I also have a mother who has health problems that lives close by me. Um, So she was dealing with some health issues and they were huge on helping her out with that, uh, taking care of yard maintenance and, uh, you know, even clean my house before I got home. Um, It's one of those things where I knew several of my neighbors in the immediate area, but surrounding that, I mean, they had, Done all sorts of stuff for when I came home. They lined trees with blue ribbon, and on uh, different street lights, they had made cards and everything. So when I got home, it was it was pretty uh, spectacular to see all that. It's pretty cool. That's great. And I know the department did a lot of things too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, every single day, you know, um, just phone calls, text messages, um, you know, just sending hey, we're thinking about you, that kind of stuff. Um, the department, you know had been great about, I mean, talking with even my family, keeping checks on them. Um, You know, it's one of those things, they they went well above and beyond. And then the uh, convoy home was pretty uh, pretty humbling as far as that. That was uh, something I don't think I'll ever forget, but that was pretty cool. Even to arrange it with the uh, school, Broadneck Elementary School, which is by my house, all the kids are out front holding signs and stuff like that. So, Really showed, you know, as far as, you know, what people think about police, even though a lot of people don't put that necessarily out there, but the, you know, the attitudes are that they like law enforcement. So,
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that the school did that, but yeah. you're right. People do love police, yeah. and we got to remember that. We get sucked in pretty easily by watching the news, looking at the media and Things people post on Facebook—they post some nasty stuff on our Facebook page. Yeah. The oh Big yeah. Facebook. Well,
1: I trust also. me, <laughs> we see it because yeah, for the threat <laughs> part, we see that every day. Yeah. So
0: it, but you just got to remember, people are out there and they're rooting for us and they're praying for you. I know yep. you were on my mind for a long time, and that's why I'm so excited to talk to you, kind of learn more about what happened. And it's good to hear that you're taken care of, and yep. you know, a lot of people are rooting for you, especially now that you're back. But we'll. But before we get to that, were you ever bothered by like news, the media, like civilians Um like in a well, negative way? Yeah, luckily
1: I was up in Gettysburg for about three weeks, you know, right after that happened. So the news, I guess, probably couldn't locate me or find me. Um, and, you know, I think our even the PIO's office did a great job, you know, in relaying that type of information um, with that. So luckily, yeah, I didn't have to deal with that too much. Uh, yeah, so that was good. So what
0: you're saying is if you get hurt in a similar situation to
1: get out of town, kind of hide, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, they, they seem pretty respectful for sure.
0: <laughs> but no, on a, on a serious note, though, it was also around the time of COVID starting to kick off mm-hmm. and you have PT to go through. So... What was PT like, and then how did COVID kind of affect your recovery?
1: So, yeah, I started PT a couple months, um, again, after I was back. I uh, had three or four sessions at Anne Arundel Medical Center where I chose them as far as an outpatient-type program a couple times a week, and then it went to virtual uh, PT online, which was a little bit different. Uh, you know, n- maybe not as effective, but the uh, the actual – Therapists were awesome. You know, they tried to incorporate things that I had around the house to use and to practice. And especially early on, I mean, I wasn't able to do much, uh, you know, trying to pick, you know, pencils up, trying to grip uh, with this putty, you know, uh, not able to do. Mostly it was finger dexterity and just motion trying to figure out how to use the arm again. Um, So it was building from going definitely a crawl, walk, run phase. It was definitely a crawl for uh, a couple months for sure. So, And
0: again, that's your dominant hand. So you had to do everything with your non-dominant hand, which of course
1: Absolutely. is... Yeah, so cooking oh. dinner, doing those types of things. And that's again why, uh, you know, the auxiliary set up uh, a food drive. I'm actually surprised that I don't weigh 500 pounds right now because the amount of food that was delivered there. But I mean, that, that was awesome. I mean, there was... There's folks that I didn't even know worked in our department, or um, even their families, that I had no idea that brought over food. I mean, it was, it was very, very generous. I mean, it's awesome. I hope, I hope to hope um, pay that back to others in need because of how awesome that was. Yeah,
0: that's great. What kind of food did
1: you get? Oh, I had everything. I had <laughs> Japanese food. The SWAT guys hooked me up, you know, with that. They Showed had out. yeah, all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, I had their steaks, there was, I mean, healthy food, there was, I mean, burgers, it was awesome. So, it was awesome. <laughs> What's your favorite food? My favorite food has to be steak.
0: Steak, has right. steak. They got you there, huh? <laughs> taking care of you. That's awesome. <laughs> because usually when I hear food drive, it's like eh, spaghetti and lasagna. My, my go to is always lasagna, but
1: it's yeah. like, man, all these carbs. Like, well, I don't eat cheese, better. so that's part of it. So,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dude like steak (laughs) so obviously it's difficult to do basic tasks and you're wanting to come back to the apartment you have a lot of downtime I mean how did you find like a drive to come back what was keeping
1: you going so drive to come back I think honestly is something why I joined you know to be a police officer something I always wanted to do as a kid you know But that drive to come back was, you know, trying to be resilient to say, I'm not going to let this incident, you know, curtail the rest of my life. Like, I want to get back to what I love to do. And I'm going to do exactly what the surgeon and what the doctors and the therapists tell me that I need to do. And we'll evaluate it from there. Um, You know, from being told that, you know, as little as five to 10 years ago, they would have cut my arm off considering what the injury was. Um, the surgeon was very optimistic. And um, to pass the time when I wasn't doing what I needed to do with that, I didn't want to be sitting around the house, um, especially after eating all that good food. But <laughs> just to kind of clear my head and not watch the news, because at that point, you know, and still in law enforcement, we're going through a rough time um, and sitting there watching the news and being bitter about it wasn't going to be what I wanted to do. So I started walking because I couldn't run at that point in time. Um, and there's some nice trails down in Arnold that they put up and just would walk and walk and walk, put my earphones in and, you know, take it from there. And yeah, I mean, I would walk sometimes for four hours a day just to get out there and do it. But, uh, you know, it became something that kind of made the day go by and actually consumed part of it productively, which I enjoyed. So
0: it definitely sounds like you have that warrior mindset. You just got to keep going, keep moving forward. But I feel like, a lot of us it's going to get us down you know especially your dominant arm not being able to use that i mean i can only imagine what a lot of us might actually go through but Simple as walking is going to help. And that's that's great that you're doing that. So I actually had a step challenge back in October,
1: <laughs> and guess who the winner was? <laughs> Detective Priest. How I many lo- steps
0: did you did you log? Do you remember? I
1: mean, it, it was a lot. It was uh, it was quite a bit because with that challenge, I'd almost challenge you even more to you know go out and do it. But I think it was like three three hundred. That's three hundred
0: thousand some steps. Yeah, I think a I did like one hundred and eighty thousand, which <laughs> I thought was pretty good. And then he comes in. and so he did win some coffee which i am finally able to give him yeah it's some good stuff so it's woodbridge coffee roasters yeah oh yeah shout out sherry DePietro from the fop auxiliary thank you for donating that (laughs) good stuff so now you're back when did you come back
1: Uh, so i came back uh in late december so now it's been been a month now so um yeah i mean was ecstatic and excited to be back, you know, that followed up a pretty intensive, what they call work hardening program that was, you know, five days a week, eight hours a day for the last three weeks. So they're gearing you to get ready to go back to work. Um, Usually they do that after you get your final clearance from your surgeon, but um, yeah, like I said, I had good experiences with that and uh, they felt that the hardware is not gonna fail. Still working on it to, uh, you know, as far as getting everything back in gear, in service it was good to have it here to identify some things but uh yeah it's been a, been a little while now so so we were talking about it earlier how was your shooting oh my shooting <laughs> needs needs to improve uh <laughs> for sure i was having some obviously that we talked again with the finger dexterity and the grip i think it is dealing with some nerve damage with the cold especially but Um, You know, it's one of those things where with anything, if we're dealing with it during training, that's a good time to identify those and and go forward. So, um, you know, it's more refinement, I think, you know, obviously to deal with that, even with how I have some of the gear outlaid. um, But this is the time to take advantage of those checks while you're out doing training and then fix them. So when we're out in the field that we make sure we do it properly.
0: Have you had to make any changes to your gear now that you're back and after injury?
1: Uh, yeah, as far as holster placement, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely uh, done that. Um, and then I think I'm going to probably invest in some gloves for cold weather like this. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, some other things. Just how I have different things on the, the, the rig and stuff on my chest and everything like that would have be Excuse me. So, yeah, do some of that.
0: Now that you're back, full duty, is there anything you can – Give as far as advice for department members, family members on how they can prepare for a similar incident like yours?
1: I mean, I think the biggest thing is I think people need to be prepared that this could happen to them. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be a homicide suspect. This could be any routine call or what we refer to as a routine call, as I'm saying it with air quotes. Um, You know, going from looking for a vehicle more or less is what I anticipated um with that and not saying that we weren't prepared for it but it changes that mindset of being in the game Um, would it have affected something differently probably not but still um being prepared for that um also dealing with that that you're never out of the fight um scott was never out of the fight he was continued on um you know to get help to self um as far as, uh, aid, as far as he could, um, to make communications. He couldn't speak cause he had been shot in the face. Um, but to send out text messages on the phone to update his location, um, those types of things. So not to just accept it and, and stop would be the biggest thing that you are going to be all right. Continue with what you've been trained for and depend on others for it. Um, just because you have to have recover, you have to, be down for a while and out of work doesn't mean people forget about you at times it may feel like that but I, i can honestly say i'm very lucky i mean i had people from command staff on down checking on me every day um whether it was you know, food, whether it was people getting videos, uh, Josh Cook and End of the Line did something awesome where they put a video together that came from people from all over the country and even in the world. Um, included famous actor, uh, Five Finger Death Punch, putting little shout outs to us. I mean, it's pretty cool, but know that you are, are appreciated and people are thinking about you. Um, even at times where it may not appear that cause you're, you're, you're down, you are going to need some time alone. I mean, I think everybody handles stress and situations like that differently, but, um, know that if you need help, it's there. There was not one single time where I didn't feel I could pick up the phone and call somebody, um, through that. And then even, you know, your family's going to go through things too. Uh, my brother, um, was injured in Iraq, uh, actually the same deployment we were. And I remember the hardest phone call I had to make was to his wife and then my mom and let her know that, Hey, he'd been blown up. They're flying him out, that kind of stuff the following day. So, um, the trauma that it has on them, you know, make sure that they're good as well because they're experiencing that trauma. So, um, I keep on saying, um, so I apologize for that. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you can recover from it. Um, stay strong, stay resilient. I, I keep on saying that, but that's one of the things that we preach in the army. Um, far too many people don't deal with these things properly, or maybe just don't know the proper venues. And that's why, um, I'm really liking coming on here today because I think, that as a department we have to be there for each other we're not able to do it alone but people are there to help
0: absolutely and that's what i'm hoping this podcast can help you know we all have stories and incidents to share and we're there to back each other up Um, i love that you threw out resilient because it sounds like your whole life has just been building resilience and i think that's kind of helped you get through this incident i mean it happened in february and now you're back in december that's a huge huge time gap where you're not here and it just seems like from your training and life experience, your mindset your warrior mindset is, is set you up for for success. And it's, it's awesome to hear that and have you come on. I lied. That wasn't the last question. So what do you like? <laughs> what do you like about the wellness program?
1: Wellness program? I mean, I, I think it is great. I think it's you have variety in different things that are out there. Um, you have physical activities looking forward to doing some of the, the rocks and some of the things coming out there, the yoga getting family members involved with it um so when you talk about overall what it can be from physical to mental health um people just there to kind of congregate and get together and do something outside of work um whether it is something uh doing any of the sessions as far as that that are going on with it and just the camaraderie i think that's something big i think it's something that most of us already do you know whether it's after you know working with the shift hanging out or a a holiday party before covid those types of things but it's something where you know we can be comfortable with each other and you know help each other through time sometimes when they're tough absolutely good yeah that's kind of what
0: i'm hoping the program does the camaraderie is is huge We're, we're department so we need to be a police family so in closing i'd like to thank detective priest for coming on and sharing his experiences and i'd like to thank you our listeners for tuning in We want to keep this going with a new episode at least every month, which means I need your help. If you have any interest in coming on and talk about wellness or want to suggest another department member, reach out to me, Corporal Vets. We'll never want to have the opportunity to come on and share their experiences, their stories, their life lessons, or just to talk about anything relating to wellness until next time. Stay safe and stay well.